Welcome to the Full Fact Podcast, where we tackle bad information one fact at a time. I'm Alexis Conran, and on this special episode of our podcast, I'll be visited by seven fact checkers to talk about the most interesting stories they've come across this year. Joining me first is the Colonel of Truth himself, Tom Phillips. Tom, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, and a Happy New Year as well. Yeah, let's chuck that in. Well, it, 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 let's hope. I mean, 2021 has to be better than 2020. I said of course, that, I shouldn't have said that. I said that about 2020. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe we should stop saying it. Um, now, look, um, we are going to be joined by plenty of people from uh, Full Fact. Um, you're going to kick us off. I thought it might be fun to hear your strangest, funniest, most interesting fact checks of the year. Uh, so go on, Tom, kick us off. What was your standout fact check moment? Okay, so, you know, I mean, this has been an incredibly intense year. You know, we've had to fact check life or death matters. So naturally, what I've done when thinking about the fact check that's really stuck in my mind this year, I've gone back to the before times, back to February 2020, when <laughs> we looked into the important question of how many birds on Earth are chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this was it's partly because of who it was said it. So it was it was Brian Cox, to be clear, the actor Brian Cox. He was on this morning and he said, and I quote, last week I was with, with David, David Attenborough, Attenborough and we were doing a thing for climate change in, in Scotland. And he mentioned to me a statistic which is truly horrifying, I think. 82% of all the birds in the planet, all of them, falcons, everything, every bird you yeah, think yeah. of, 82%, 82% of them, of them are chickens. chickens what i mean that was that was our reaction as well and and <laughs> i i immediately just was i cannot rest until i found out whether or not this is true i mean you know it's a it's brian cox and it's he's a, a, ascribing it to david attenborough so you've got two national treasures in one go and i just wanted to know how many birds are chickens so we think that this comes from a misreading of something in The Guardian, which is talking about biomass. So it's not actually the number of birds, it's the biomass, which is basically a concept in biology where it's roughly if you sucked all of the water out of every living thing on Earth, how much would it weigh? It's a strange idea, but you know. Very odd way of counting chickens. It does, it does have some sense in you know, biology and ecology when you talk about biomass. But basically... The idea is that 70% of the biomass of all birds on Earth is chickens, which does have some truth to it. It's not just chickens, it's poultry in general. But that, is, that does actually come from a real scientific paper. Basically, domesticated poultry did make up around 70% of the biomass. Key thing, of course, though, is domesticated poultry are much larger than most birds because they're literally being reared for food or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it's, they're larger, so they make up a lot more of the biomass. So here's the question. How many, if you just count individual birds, how many birds are actually poultry or chickens? So we went back to the paper that this other paper had relied on for its estimates. And, you know, like you'd think, what would a scientific paper that was trying to estimate populations of birds be called. It'd be something like, you know, sort of estimates of avian, something blah, blah, blah. You know, it'd have a long science-y type title. This paper was published in 1997, and it was called How Many Birds Are There? <laughs> 
that's I suppose it does what it says on the tin. That is, is one of my favourite titles for a scientific paper ever. Um, <laughs> so we went back to this, went back to their estimates and tried to work it out. Actually, going back to that source, how many of the birds on planet Earth are in fact chickens? It's between four and 12%. That's way off that 82%. It's way that, off 82%. Brian Cox told us uh, uh, that uh, David Attenborough even confirmed. Yeah, Brian Cox was wrong. I would, however, still say that's still an awful lot of chickens. That's a huge <laughs> number of chickens. Like, that's, it's still a really impressive stat, even if 82%, as Brian Cox said on this morning, turns out, sadly, to be wrong. But if you, if you take that 4 to 12%, you suck all the water out of them, they make 70% of the biomass of the birds. They do, because they're larger. Uh, so yeah, it, Brian, oh. Brian Cox, not an expert on counting birds, but a brilliant actor. So God bless Do you know, him. I thought the chat over the uh, rather smaller Christmas table is going to be dull this year. It is going to be dull no more, Tom, because I have got chicken facts Whilst we're tucking into that turkey. Well, it, 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 it covers poultry, so it includes turkey, goose, whatever it is you decided to... I mean, we're, we're, we're pondering goose this year. Uh, Tom, thank you. Uh, stick, stick around. I mean, everyone's here. We're all here at the same time. We've got Leo's here and also Rachel's here. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Now, look, Rachel, um, let's, let's uh, move on to your uh, fact check. Tom's wowed us with a, a couple of uh, poultry facts there. Um, which one was the one that stuck out in your mind in, in this rather bizarre year? I had a very similar thing to Tom in which when this uh, podcast episode was suggested, I went through all the things I've written this year, which is a fair amount. And I think I like made myself sad by rereading like what a year we've had <laughs> and trying to find like a moment of like, oh, that was fun. That was cute. And so I have opted for a personal like favorite, I guess, theme of mine which is poppy season in the UK. And poppy season or poppy outrage season is the time of year when everyone obviously wears uh, poppies for Remembrance Day and a whole load of outrage and bad information happens. So this fact check in particular was one which based around something that happened on the BBC in that a bunch of people online thought or said that BBC presenters had removed their poppies halfway through a BBC breakfast broadcast and a load of a load of people got very angry about this. They found it very offensive. And it actually turned out that the presenters removed their poppies because they'd put the poppies on too early based on BBC guidelines. Because there is such heavy outrage around poppies and remembrance sunday the bbc have extremely strict guidelines about when people can actually wear poppies it's literally like 5 a.m on november something to 8 p.m on like november something and you cannot wear a poppy outside those times and the bbc breakfast presenters did and they had to like take them off and it it caused misinformation it caused a conspiracy theory and it's absolutely wild that guidelines brought in to stop conspiracy theories bred their own conspiracy theory <laughs> there is a darker side to this in that whenever like poppy outrage happens it usually ends up targeting minority groups so Nagam Chetty was one of the presenters involved in this it was her and a white male presenter and obviously she became the focus of this we see loads of poppy fact checks around the the kind of terms of minorities don't want people to wear poppies anymore they find it offensive and so there is kind of like 
a, a dark side to popular outrage but this just happens every year and it's so british and it's just like you can almost time it like clockwork the second like november happens there's going to be some sort of post and so as bad as poppy outrage is it does give me this kind of like routine joy each year that we're going to experience this very british thing over and over again and you've probably done all those fact checks ready to sort of whip out on you know november 1st or whenever the poppies get worn it's like yep i'm just going to go back through my files and whip up the one that i wrote last year and the year before and the yep. year before that yep the one i mentioned about minorities happens every year and every year we email british legion who are lovely people and are very tired i think and we have to, <laughs> and we send them the exact same email we sent them last year and they give us the exact same response um and so yeah it's it's like silly season in british news when everyone starts writing about ghosts it's just one of these things that just happens and it's kind of part of british media culture uh thank you rachel now uh, leo's been waiting patiently uh with us uh, i gather leo that uh, you wanted to well you looked through uh, all your fact checks and you thought well actually no no the, the one i really want to talk about is it's one about covid and flu but you've been overruled because we don't want to dampen the spirit and we've forced you to talk about onions this is look i was always i was always perfectly happy to talk about onions in fact arguably too too eager to talk about onions i joined full facts at the very beginning of the year and um i was i was very excited i didn't realize how much i'd be writing about viruses obviously at that time but i was i was very up for the fact checking i've been an admirer of the organization for a long time and in i come and on one of my first jobs i discover no 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 no. it's all about onions it's all about onions the amount of misinformation out there concerning onions absolutely blew me away this this came up from just a sort of innocent little facebook untruth which said please remember it is dangerous to cut an onion and try to use it to cook the next day what yeah yeah, exactly so the reason why it's i should be dead by now many (laughs) times over you have illustrated perfectly alexis what what the appeal of this of this meme is as soon as you tell people that cutting onions is dangerous, everyone goes, I cut onions. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I'm in terrible trouble. Um, and I think that's probably why it's so enduring and why it's been so popular. There, there have been, as far as I can tell, onion myths going back more than 100 years. You, you may have heard there have been other ones. I haven't actually researched this, so I can't conclusively say it's not true, but I'm going to bet that it isn't that leaving an onion in the corner of your room protects you against coronavirus and indeed flu and colds and various other things. Uh, I see Tom nodding furiously uh, to this. Uh, Tom, can you, have you been, have you got a cut onion behind you on the, on the screen? I think I actually have a cut onion in the fridge though, because I was cooking and I did have a bit of onion left over the other day. So I'm going to (laughs) die. Or am I not? I where, where does it come from? Because the bizarre thing, and as I speak to you guys every week, the funny thing about all these ones, no matter how bizarre they sound and outlandish, every time, you know, when, when I speak to you and to Tom and we, you looked into this, there is some kernel of truth somewhere where someone has taken it, twisted it, turned it into something brand new and put it up on Facebook. That, that is very often what happens, I, I think, it, in this case, I found a vague source of it. Snopes looked at this, I mean, 11 years ago, when someone else on a much earlier version of the internet was saying, if you cut onions and then you leave pre-cut onions in the fridge, within a day, they become deadly poisonous. 
was was the claim here and that's not true in case anybody's wondering but it seems at least in this version to have come from a blogger who visited a mayonnaise factory and then reported on her blog that <laughs> she was told by someone at the mayonnaise factory that this is what would happen and she immediately put it on the internet and the internet went fantastic i'm having that i'm going to ignore years of cutting onions and not dying <laughs> and i'm going to listen to a third hand because this lady went to a mayonnaise, mayonnaise factory. factory yeah that's supposed to be where it came from um but actually and the, the odd thing is that when i did start looking about looking at the scientific research of, that exists on cut onions if anything it seems possible that cutting onions before you put them in the fridge might actually might actually make them healthier slightly to eat afterwards because there's a potentially an antimicrobial property in oh, I can't remember the name of it some some chemical that comes out when when you cut them so if if anything they might actually be slightly preserved by cutting them before you put them in the fridge the very opposite uh, of of what these these memes are claiming anyway i i've i've continued to cut onions and and scatter them willy-nilly around my house and i i continue to just about struggle through i wonder what other conspiracy theories have come out of that same lady in that same mayonnaise factory <laughs> maybe maybe we've been looking at uh, troll farms in russia but it's that mayonnaise factory somewhere that's been spreading these big rumors uh leo thank you for that yeah. i really enjoyed that one uh now we've got um where's where's pippa she there she is we've had poultry we've had onions we've had poppies uh, you've looked through, you've done plenty of fact checks. Which one was the one that stuck in your head? Yeah, so in, uh, in July, um, Matt Hancock claimed that the lockdown in the UK began on the 16th of March, a week before most people think that the lockdown began, which is the 23rd of March. He said that it, it began on the 16th of March because that's when he told the House of Commons that unnecessary social contact should be avoided. But it wasn't until a week later that Boris Johnson said that people should stay at home and businesses would close and, and the lockdown as we knew it happened. What was interesting about this is that although Matt Hancock was very insistent in July that uh, the lockdown had begun on the 16th of March, he'd repeatedly said previously that it began on the 23rd of March. And when we looked through Hansard, Boris Johnson had also repeatedly said that lockdown was the 23rd of March. And so had Gavin Williamson and Robert Jenrick um, and Dominic Raab. So it was quite a, a strange one for, for Matt Hancock to go for, really. People, thank you. Um, um, we're also joined now by Abbas. Hello, Abbas. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having me on. This is your podcast. <laughs> it's the full back. It's not my podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you've got a strong case here, Abbas, because you've got rather a strange one to bring to the table. Yes, yeah, so I think we're, we're, a bit, we're a bit sick of, the, of COVID, so I also picked something non-COVID related. I think it's a silly story that highlights sort of actually quite serious problems in, in reporting, and it's all about golf. Right. This was a, a study back in February, so kind of pre-COVID times, or at least in the UK. And the claim was, and this was reported in the Times and elsewhere, that a round of golf once a month can reduce your risk of early death. Now, what this was coming from was a study which looked at mortality from heart diseases amongst people who played golf and who didn't play golf. What the researchers found was that the number of cardiovascular events wasn't particularly different. Uh, the people playing golf were having as many heart attacks as the people not playing golf. 
but the mortality from them, so the chance of you actually dying early, was lower amongst the group that played golf. But the key thing that they didn't control for is, well, there's two big things they didn't control for. One is income, and the other is whether they played any other sports or whether they had any other physical activity. So you have this finding which says that people who play golf once a month are less likely to die of heart disease. But could have easily said people who are richer tend to die less of things such as heart disease or people who do other activities or other exercise tend to die less of of these diseases. And I think it plays into reporting, which has been sort of endemic for, for many, many years, which is just the act cures this or why causes this in sort of mm. the British media. There's been really quite bad science reporting across the board with individual studies with lots of holes and lots of problems being held up as sort of evidence of something real and that sort of undermined trust in scientific reporting and now when scientific reporting is really important there's an argument to be made that that, that has kind of um you know made, made people skeptical of of real facts or, or, or real evidence Abbas, thank you. I think that's a fascinating one, actually, because you do uh, read these um, reports, as you said, as headlines. And of course, that's all people take out. They just take out the headline. So, Claire, which fact check was uh, one that you will take with you when thinking back on 2020? An article that we wrote about claims about the Magna Carta, saying that Article 61 of Magna Carta would allow you to lawfully dissent and rebel and you didn't have to close businesses under COVID-19 regulations. And this was the one that people were sort of photocopying and putting onto their shop windows. I believe this also led to some sort of prosecutions as well, didn't it? So I believe it has been involved, yes, in a number of um, instances where, where people have been fined and, and um, that fine has, has grown larger and larger and, and Magna Carta has been involved as the reason why that fine um, hasn't been paid. So I think, yes, it's, it's definitely um, caused quite a stir this year. So what was it? Was it a hoax? Did someone just not understand what they were reading? As far as I remember, it sort of applied to, to barons. Now, unless you're a baron and you're not running a nail salon, um, I don't know how much use it could be. Um, I, I'm, I'm not aware of any barons running nail salons, but um, yes, so there, there was a section of, um, of the Magna Carta which, which talked about um, how in, in 1215, um, so, so not the most recent um, right. piece of legislation, back in 1215, um, the 25 named barons could make sure that the, the king obeyed the, the, the Magna Carta and all the other various clauses and things that were in it. There, there is a section in it which, which mentions any man who so desires may take an oath to obey the commands of those 25 barons, which is what was being perhaps slightly misinterpreted to, to understand that anybody could use this particular clause as a way to keep their business open. But yes, it, it is a bit of a, a stretch to see how this relates to 2020 and COVID-19. I guess it's one of those ones where the conspiracy theory, rather than just sitting there on the ether causing all sorts of trouble, actually had some practical blowback results for the people who decided to, to use it and as an excuse to circumvent the rules. Now, Tom, uh, you kicked us off with how many birds are actually chickens which I'm going to bore everyone at Christmas lunch with. But you had another great fact check this year that has stuck in your mind. And this is another quite bizarre one because you managed to do something quite brilliant. Claire's just been talking about that we ended up having to fact check something from 
twelve fifteen, which I don't think any of us expected. I think that it's something that's really taken a lot of us by surprise. Is how much deep history we're having to having to fact check as part of our daily job. I mean, Rachel, you know, has had to do write more about Nazis than I think any of us were really prepared for. So yeah, like we've had to do this huge amount of history. Something that really stuck with me was that in the course of writing a fact check about something completely different, you know, everybody talked about second waves and third waves and things like that. And there's a there's a graph. It's on the CDC in America's website. It's this graph showing the second wave from the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, which is something that a lot of people have been going back to and sort of like using as a historical example. This graph just showed sort of a, a, a medium-sized first wave, a huge second wave, and then a sort of a, a third and fourth wave coming after it. And I was really interested, just like, what is this graph of? Because it didn't have any source on it. It didn't have any numbers along the side. It didn't show what it was actually a graph of. And I was trying to track this down. Like, just go, what does this graph actually show? Is it the number of deaths in a particular country? Is it the number of deaths around the world? Is it, what is it? What is this graph actually of? And ended up, I basically went back reading through every scientific paper I could find that was talking about estimates for the death toll of the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. But eventually, after reading through all these scientific papers, I found this graph. Turned out it was actually not of deaths all around the world, it was just in the UK. So I traced it back to the source that they'd got it from, which was a book from 1927. And it had this graph in it, and it was, it was a bar chart, as opposed to a line graph, which is the, the version that we'd seen going around. And then it said that it got that from the Registrar General's office in 1920. And so I went back and found that. And this is really, you know, like, there's one copy of that book that's like sort of scanned on the internet anywhere. And I discovered there was a mistake. Dun, dun, dun. It's, a, it's a very small, completely irrelevant mistake. There's this tiny little fourth wave that appears on the graph. But actually, it's just when they made that book in 1927, they just copied it out wrong. There is this tiny little blip right at the end of the pandemic that's appeared in this graph that's gone everywhere and it's all around the internet. And it's not real because it's actually not there in the original data from 1920 that I spent an entire day tracking down for no apparent reason because this has no relevance and doesn't in fact impact anybody at all. But that's the kind of thing that we end up doing as fact checkers. But you've found it and I know. I found it. And I know from your voice and your face that I could see that it made you happy to just find it. It did. It was like, it's a little thing that I know that nobody else knows. And now I can tell the world that this book from 1927 made him, you know, the author is long dead. I'm not even sure the publisher still exists. I don't know who to write to, to say, by the way, could you just correct that? But like, it's, it just, it made me happy when I finally tracked that down. Brilliant. Thank you so much to everybody, to Claire, to Abbas, to Pippa, to Rachel, to Leo, of course, to Tom. Thank you, everybody. That's all we have time for on the Full Fat Christmas special. Uh, We're back in the new year. Uh, We wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year.